Welcome everyone to Daf Yomi, one week at a time, Masechet Gitin. Uh, this is our 12th class for this Masechet, and today we are going to be reviewing Daf 79 through 85. Um, and we are going to begin at seven, on Daf 79 at the Mishnah. Um, the Mishnah tells us, if you remember last week, we were discussing the husband throwing the get towards the wife uh, and uh, it having to land in her domain. Uh, so we're continuing with this idea. Uh, again, as I mentioned last week, it's important to understand that uh, nowadays this is not valid. So no throwing anything at anybody. Uh, this does not work. Uh, but in the times of the Gemara, it theoretically worked. Um, so the Mishnah tells us on Daf 39 um, that if the husband stands in his own courtyard and he throws the get up to his wife and she's on the roof and she's on her roof, right? So he's down at the bottom and she's up on top. As soon as it it's in the airspace of her roof, so then they're considered divorced. Um, Let's say it's reversed. Let's say he was up on the roof. This would make a great movie, right? So he's on the roof and she's in the courtyard. Again, it's his roof and her courtyard. As soon as it left the roof's airspace, um, so then, right, and now it's in the airspace of the courtyard, um, so then they're divorced. Uh, and why do we care? Um, I mean, we care, but what what what's the issue here? Because let's say it got burnt up on its way down, or it got erased. Let's say it was raining and the the ink got erased. Um, so then the Gemara says, uh, as soon as it hits, it doesn't have to hit the ground, right? Again, remember we said it has to be in her possession her possession could be her domain we might think that it actually has to hit the ground this mishnah teaches us that it's as long as it's in the airspace of our, her domain so then she is divorced even if it doesn't uh if it doesn't land um okay so now the gemara says only right let's go to the first case he throws it up to the roof only if the roof is fenced in, right? Or if it's guarded, right? We talked about this idea of a courtyard having a fence, therefore it's guarded, therefore it acquires the get for her. So if the roof is fenced in, um, or if it gets within three tfakim of the surface of the ground, right? If you remember, we learned in Masachet um, Sukkah that if something is within the, within three hand breaths of a surface, it's as if it's resting on the surface. Um, so then either one of those things works. Um, okay, right, because if not, um, we might say like, let's say it's in the airspace of the roof, maybe the wind can blow it away and it never will land. So we have to make sure that it gets within the, um, within the fence or within three tvachim of the ground in order to say that it was destined to land. Um, let's say he threw it down to her. Um, again, the courtyard walls need to be higher than the roof because we said it has to go into her domain. Therefore, it has to be that the walls are, are taller than the roof. Um, so the Gemara explains that our Mishnah is like Rebbe, who says that the airspace is like it came to rest. Remember, as I said, um, the get needs to uh, be in her domain. The way it would be in her domain is if it came to rest on the floor. Uh, the fact that it just goes into the airspace is okay if it's guarded. Sorry, one second. Okay, um, okay, so now the Gemara brings where we learned a lot of these concepts, which was Masachet Shabbat, meaning what defines the domain and what defines um, throwing something from one domain to another. So in Shabbat, right, so as we said, um, 
is airspace considered to coming to rest or not? Um, Rabbanan said that, um, sorry, Rabbanan said that, um, that uh, forget, uh, it, they do agree that it is airspace, but they argue about it for Shabbat when we're dealing with Hilchot Shabbat. So it seems that they're making a distinction between a domain uh, in terms of the laws of Shabbat versus the laws of get. Um, the get is valid only if it's erased on the way down. But right again, think of it as like an arc, right? So if you throw something from the roof to the floor, so it generally you throw it up and then it goes down. So if it gets erased on its way up, that doesn't count. But if it gets erased on the way down, so then we view it as uh, on its way towards the wife, and then it would be valid, um, right? Let, now the Gemara talks about the fire. If we we mentioned before that if it gets burnt up in the fire before it hits the ground, it might still be valid. The Gemara says if the fire started before the husband threw the get, so then it's invalid because it was. Never going to hit the floor. It was always going to be burnt up. But if um, the fire started after, right after the the get was thrown, uh, when the husband actually threw the get, uh, the assumption was that it was going to land, and then all of a sudden came a fire. Um, that would still the get would be valid. Um, if the husband lends her that wife space in order to acquire the get, that only works for that space, not all the property, you know, not all his property, but that specific, um, that specific uh, um, area that was his. Um, and now we have three different laws about domains with regard to get, as opposed to with regard to Shabbat. Again, as we mentioned, the laws are similar, uh, but here are the differences. Um, we have a machloket in the laws of Shabbat um, with the fact of um, things that are, again, going through airspace. Uh, and that's what we mentioned, that here, forget the airspace needs to be guarded, meaning there needs to be walls or a fence, then it would be okay. Uh, for Shabbat, not necessarily. Um, let's say we have a pole in the courtyard, and then we have a tray on top of the pole. If you threw something from the public domain, the Rashuta Rabim, and it landed on this tray, um, you would be um, you would be uh, seen as uh, liable for Shabbat, but forget it would not work because the tray uh, is higher than the walls of um, of the the um, of the area, and therefore it's not seen as being guarded, and therefore um, it would not be valid for a get. Um, sorry. Uh, the next rule is that for Shabbat, you can't move something from one roof to another, an adjacent roof, if it's owned by two separate people, because it's seen as two different domains. But forget if the husband lends the wife the other roof. So then he could put the get from his roof to her roof. And it is seen as two separate domains, but right, his and hers, and it would work. Um, the last idea uh, on for this uh, concept is having an inner courtyard and an outer courtyard. Um, let's say the inner courtyard is hers and it's surrounded by an outer courtyard, which is his. And the outer courtyard walls are taller, right? So they're tall. And then the, the inner courtyard has shorter walls. So now, um, as soon as the get goes into her airspace, they're seen, she's seen as divorced. 
because the outer walls, even though they're his walls, they protect the inner courtyard as well. Uh, and therefore, it just has to get into the airspace of her domain, and then she would be seen as divorced. Um, but if it's like a box within a box, uh, then it's only hers when it lands right in that box, uh, as opposed to the airspace of the courtyard. Let's go to the next Mishnah. Um, we have a machloket between Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai. Um, Beit Shammai say you can use an old get. Uh, we'll explain what that means. Um, and Beit Hillel say you cannot use an old get. So the, the Mishnah explains uh, not only that, right? If he was alone with his wife after he wrote a get, but before he gave it, um, so that um, would be an old get, meaning he had it, but he didn't give it to her yet, but then they were together um, or alone without, uh, you know, without any anyone there with them. And then the question is, did he like nullify the get? So the Gemara explains the it is, if we're concerned that maybe she'll have gotten pregnant, and then people will think that the child was conceived after after uh, out of wedlock. Because again, the get, the date on the get is earlier than when they actually got divorced. If you remember, the date is very important. Um, and if they're together after the date of the get, um, again, there's a machloket if it's valid or not. Um, the next Mishnah on Daf 79 tells us that if the date or any other detail was written wrong on the get, so now it's called a defective get and it cannot be used. If she subsequently got remarried based on this defective get, so now she has to leave basically both men, meaning she has to get divorced from the, fir the first and the second husband, and, right? She has to get a get from both of them. And the Mishnah now lists a whole list of consequences, um, all of them being uh, detrimental, right? So she doesn't get her ktuba money um, because we want her to get divorced um, from both men and the money might impede that and therefore she doesn't get the ktuba money. Um, and here the idea is she shouldn't have gotten remarried after the defective get. Uh, and here the idea is that when the woman receives her get, she needs to be extremely careful to make sure that it's valid. If she can't tell, she should take it to court. She should take to somebody to check because if she gets remarried with this invalid get, um, she's going to get very messed up, right? We're going to see more than that. She doesn't get um, her support, mizonot. She doesn't get support from the husband. She doesn't get the clothing from the marriage. The children from either husband are seen as mamzerim because what's the problem? Um, she was never really divorced from the first husband. Now she marries the second husband. If she had children, she's actually married to somebody else that creates a mamzer. So this is very, very serious. Um, and basically they weren't considered married. Therefore, if he's a Kohen, so then it's not like she's his wife, so he doesn't become impure for her if she dies. Um, they don't get her earnings because they're not, he's not married to her. And she can't marry a Kohen after this whole episode because she's seen as having committed adultery with the second man. Um, she needs to do chalitza, right now back to Yibum, she needs to do chalitza with either brother, uh, because again, she's married, but she's not married. Um, Daf 80 tells us that um, if the scribe wrote the wrong name or the wrong city, also all the things we just mentioned, happen meaning if she there's something wrong in the get and then she goes and gets remarried 
Um, so then all the 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 consequences that we just mentioned um, go into effect. Um, ah, so someone says, right, Zora's asking after the first divorce, whether valid or not, how could she marry a Kohen? Um, the, the, the point is, if the first husband and even the second husband, if they die before they get divorced, um, so then she's seen as a widow and not a divorcee. Um, but, and then she would, would be able to marry Cohen, except for the fact that there was a big, uh, Baladan, as they say in Hebrew. Um, okay. Now, um, yes, a big mess. Thank you, Zohar. <laughs> um, okay. The, another case, uh, in the case of Yibum, let's say, the co if you remember right we had a, a wife and we had a co-wife in Masachat Ibo in Masachat Ivamot. Um if you remember we learned that if one of the women is forbidden is an erva is a forbidden relationship to the husband or to the brother so then not only does she not do yibum, but also her co-wife. If you remember, it was called the tsara of the erva, right? The co-wife of a woman who was a forbidden relationship. So let's say the co-wife of one of these women um, goes and marries someone because she's exempt from doing yibum. And then the original wife, the, the one who was forbidden, she's, you know, let's say the sister-in-law or the, the sister of, of, right, the sister of his wife or one of those things. Let's say she turns out to be an Ilonit. If you remember, Ilonit meant a woman who cannot have children, who doesn't have secondary um, sexual um, um, signs. Um, so let's say she turns out to be an Ilonit. That means that the co-wife really did need to do yibum or chalitza, um, and therefore, but now she marries somebody else, which she wasn't allowed to do. So now she has to get a get from the second husband, and then she does chalitza with the brother, and all of the effects that we mentioned before happen as well to her. Um, let's say the brother does yibum, and then the co-wife marries someone else. And again, the original wife becomes, we find out that she's an Ilonit. So now again, that co-wife needed to do Yibum. Again, the same thing. Let's say the scribe gave the get to the man and the receipt to the woman. Now, that's not how it goes, right? The get has to go to the woman and the receipt goes to the man. Um, let's say, and now she's holding the receipt, right? She never got the get. Um, if she marries somebody else based on that, again, she has to get divorced from both of them. And again, all of those consequences. Or maybe they really were divorced and now they're tricking everybody and the Gemara is going to talk about this. So now let's get to the, the Gemara. Um, the Gemara tells us that there was a decree to write the year based on the local monarch in um, in specific places um, in order to foster peace. But if they made a mistake, so then it affects the validity of the get, right? If they wrote the wrong monarch, if they wrote the wrong date. Um, if the, the scribe needs to record where he's writing the get, even if it's going to be given in another city, because that's going to determine how you define um, the date in the get. Um, according to the rabbis, the get can be dated by any date, not only the local monarch, um, but if the scribe wrote the wrong name or the wrong place, um, if she gets remarried based on this, as we said, the child is a mamzer. Um, now, there's a machloket if a woman who's waiting to do Yibum, if you remember, she's called Shomeret Yavam. So if she has relations with someone, is she uh, forbidden to marry the, to do Yibum, basically, right? If she was with someone in the meantime, our Mishnah seems to say, no, she's not forbidden. She could still do Yibum. Or maybe, yes, meaning she is, um, 
um, she is is forbidden from doing yibum. Um, if the scribe gave the wrong document to the husband and the wife, um, but they're still discussing the divorce, meaning they haven't left the room yet, so then it's considered immediate and they're not seen as divorced. He has to take it back and give it to the right person. But if they got up or they left the room, right, if it's the next day or a week later, so then we suspect that maybe there's some trickery going on and we assume that really they're divorced. Um, or we define immediate is that she didn't get remarried uh, and therefore he has to give her another get. Um, and later means she already did get married and we assume that they were divorced. Okay, next daf, daf 81, we have a new Mishnah. Um, if a man wrote a get, but then changed his mind before giving the get, uh, right? So he says, you know what, never mind, I don't want to get divorced. So Beit Shammai says that she can't marry a Kohen, meaning there's a, what's called a kol, like a, a voice, a We'll see the idea of a rumor in a minute, but there's this idea that um, there was divorce that was discussed, and therefore, even if they don't actually get divorced, she would be considered a divorcee vis-a-vis -a, -vis a Kohen, meaning if the first husband dies, um, she's, for a Kohen, she's considered a divorcee and not a widow. Betilel say, no, even, even if he gave her a get, but there was a condition on the get and the condition wasn't fulfilled, she's not considered a divorcee unless everything, you know, all the boxes are checked, right? So, and therefore she can marry a Kohen. So that's the machloke. So the Gemara explains what happens if there's word going around again, as I mentioned, this idea of a rumor. Let's say there's word going around that a Kohen divorced his wife, um, but now they're seen living together. Do we assume that they never got divorced? Because if they do get divorced, it's important to understand that they cannot get remarried because now the Kohen cannot marry a divorcee, even if it's his own, right? So. Um, let's say they're seen living together, but there's a rumor that they got divorced. So she needs to leave him, meaning we give validity to rumors. Um, it's important to understand rumor just doesn't mean one person said it, but everyone's talking about it. Um, and therefore she must leave him. Um, the Gemara says we have to investigate if giving a get in that town actually means they wrote it. And therefore, that's not the same thing as giving, and therefore she wouldn't have to leave him. Or does it mean that he actually gave it to her, and therefore they really are divorced? Um, we actually are concerned, as I mentioned, about rumors, but um, especially rumors that have to do with betrothal and divorce. But if the rumor starts and she's already married to somebody else, we don't listen to the rumors. Um, and therefore, as I said, she could stay married to the Kohen, um, but if he dies and she marries another Kohen, so now, um, so now um, she does need to leave him because the rumor started before she married the second person. Uh, and therefore, she has to leave him. Um, the Gemara comments on how careful Beit Shammai, um, how how careful um, Beit Shammai is in the early generations, um, that they were so careful about family purity that he wouldn't let, uh, again, the woman, if there's a rumor that she was divorced, he wouldn't let her remain with the husband. But in the later generations, they would allow a woman who was captured um, to, when she was released, to remain with her husband, even if he was a Kohen. Uh, so it seems that there's the earlier generations were much more stringent, and the, the later generations were much more lenient. Interesting to uh, 
understand is that a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, I think the shot of the Gemara is saying that it was better earlier in the old days, as they say, um, but it's not clear uh, which one they see as better. Um, and since we're talking in this way, so it says, right, the earlier generations were careful um, about wanting to perform mitzvot, um, so they would make sure that they brought the produce in the regular way um, so that it would be, um, um, it would have to, they would have to separate the trumot and ma'asrot. Um, but in later generations, they would actually bring it in through the roof um, so that they can keep it exempt uh, from separating trumot and ma'asrot. Okay, next Mishnah. And when we, you'll see, right, as we know, and when we get to the end of the Masachet, which we're very close to the end, um, we're going to, we have a lot of uh, Mishnayot. Uh, a lot of them are very fundamental to the concept of get. So now the Gemara says, if the husband divorced her and then they stayed in an inn together, Beit Shammai says that she does not need a second get. They're seen as, um, you know, they can use that original get. Uh, the assumption is that they have relations in this uh, in this inn. Um, Beit Hillel say that she needs another get because if they slept together, it means that, right, maybe they're reconciling. Um, however, if they got divorced from Erusin, from being betrothed, right, if you remember, we, we've learned that uh, when you are betrothed, it's it's almost like getting married, and you actually need uh, a get to uh, break up that relationship. Again, it's not like nowadays engaged. This is uh, by doing erusin, which is hareat mitzudeshetli. We're going to talk about that in the next masachet. Um, so, um, if they were divorced from erusin. And then from engage from betrothal, and then they were together in an inn. We don't have to be concerned that they had relations because they haven't been officially married yet. Um, the Gemara says the machloket is only when there are no. There are actually witnesses that say that they did sleep together. Um, and here the machloket is um, when when a husband and wife, when a man and woman. Uh, sleep together, do we assume that it is um, with having in mind that they want to be married uh, and therefore it's a negation of the get and therefore she would need a second get? Or do we say they were just uh, together and not uh, the way the Gemara discusses it is um, does a person have uh, BA relations, Lishem Znut? Znut means um right in a in a promiscuous way or is it l'shem kiddushin or is it uh in a sanctified way but here it means because they want to uh have a uh a relationship uh so that is the question um so the question basically here is is the mishnah discussing where there are witnesses that they had relations or not that they didn't there we don't know if they had relations and then we assume if they were married before we assume that they actually did have relations um if they were just engaged we assume that they did not have relations um and that is the discussion in this mishnah okay the next mishnah um discusses something called a get mikushar Mikushar means um, um, tied. Uh, we're going to see that um, for certain people, specifically for Kohanim, um, because once the Kohen gets divorced, he cannot remarry his original wife. We really want to make sure that he wants to get divorced. Uh, so what they would do is um, they would write the get, uh, either in increments or um, tw twice, then they would fold it um, and uh, like sew it and then have signature signatures sign it, um, people sign it, then fold it again and have them sign, uh, other people come and sign it. But the idea is to make the, the process longer um, because maybe the Kohen just 
you know, they got in a fight and he's like, that's it, we're getting divorced. And they're like, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? Um, so here, um, so th that's called a get mikushar. We're going to see that the minimum number of folds is three. Um, and now the Mishnah tells us that if one of the folds is missing a signature, so then it's called a bald get, a get kereach, uh, right? It's missing something. Um, now, if a woman gets remarried based on this get kereach, the, the get that's missing a signature, um, so then she has to leave the second husband because she's not allowed to be married to him. And again, all the things that we mentioned above. Um, then the Mishnah tells us that anyone can sign this get kereach in order to make it valid. Um, maybe it doesn't even have to be a valid witness or um, only, right, meaning not someone like a slave or someone who can never be a witness, maybe they can't uh, sign it, but maybe a relative who's a valid witness for anybody else, just not for this thing, um, so maybe they can sign it. Again, um, these signatures are not an inherent part of the document, which we'll see in a minute. Um, so now the Gemara explains that this bold get is invalid because maybe the husband said, all of you need to sign the get, and now somebody didn't sign it, and then it would really be um, invalid. Therefore, we say anytime it's missing a signature, we say that it is invalid. Uh, as I mentioned, a slave can't sign this document, according to Rabbi Kiba, because then people will think that maybe the person is free, right? If he signed it, then maybe he can use it as proof that he was freed. Um, but if I, everyone knows who's my brother or who's my sister, so then that would be okay. Um, as we said, if there are three folds and two signatures, so now everyone agrees that the third signature can only be either a, a valid witness or a relative. It can't be anybody else. Um, and this relative can sign on any one of the folds. It doesn't have to be the first or the last or the middle, it doesn't matter. Uh, DOF 82 tells us um, that um, you actually can use uh, a sleeve as a one of the signatures on this get, uh, and it would be valid. Uh, and with that, we finish the eighth chapter, uh, and now we are going to begin the final chapter of Masachet Gitin. Um, so now we're going to learn, uh, it says in the Torah that a get uh, is called, it, the Torah says, v'katav la get fritut. Uh, he has to write for her a get, a document that is koret, which means that severs, uh, like from the word karet, uh, right, karet is the punishment of the most severe punishment, which is basically that the soul is cut off uh, from the Jewish people. So kritut means cut off. Um, so the mission is going to explain that the get must sever the relationship between the husband and wife. And if it does not sever the relationship, it is invalid. Um, so the Mishnah says that if a man says, you can marry anyone, right, here's your get, you can marry anyone except for so-and-so, right? I don't like the way he looked at you, you can never marry him. So Rabbi Eliezer says that that is a valid get, we'll see why in a minute, and Chachamim say it is invalid. Um, however, he again, this was verbal, he could take the get back, and then give it to her again and say, you can marry whoever you want. But if he actually wrote it in the get, so now it's invalid, even if he erases it, because once he writes it, that's it. Okay, so now the Gemara explains, how does this work? Right, when he says, you can marry anyone but that person, right, Ella, right, but that person, does it mean except, even though I use the word except, but does it mean chutz me, 
right? Does it mean accept that person? Or does it mean on condition that you don't marry that person? If you remember in the last chapter, we learned that the husband is allowed to make conditions, but he cannot say you can, you're permitted to anyone except for that person. That doesn't work, um, right? Accept, the word accept is invalid, but a condition might be valid or no. Do they argue if it's a condition, right? But everyone agrees that if you say accept, so then it's invalid. So that's the question here. Um, there's a brighter that says that there's a machloket when he says on condition that, um, right, that maybe it would be valid like any other condition, or it's invalid because, as we mentioned, it doesn't completely sever their relationship. Her whole life, she's not allowed to marry so-and-so. That's not okay, right? Once they're divorced, he cannot have any control over her life. Um, okay, right? Now the Gemara asks, since we're talking about get, the Gemara asks the other side of the coin, which is kidushin, which is betrothal, right? Our next masachet, right? So what about betrothal? Can there be an accept with betrothal, right? You are betrothed to me, which means you can't marry anybody else. You're now mine, except for so-and-so. Uh, why you would do this is not clear to me, um, but let's say you said that. So does it work or no? Once you betroth someone, she should be forbidden to everyone except for this person, um, right? Some say the because the verse teaches that in the same verse that it talks about her getting divorced, it also talks about her getting married, and therefore they're linked. Um, are they linked completely? And therefore, all the laws of divorce are the same for the laws of betrothal, or not necessarily. Um, and now there's a strange case where one brother betroths a woman and says, you cannot marry anybody else, right? I want you to be mine except for my brother, Shimon. And then Shimon says the same thing, except for Reuven. And then they both die. So then she actually does Yibum with Levi, who's a third brother. Um, it's a very complicated situation, um, but this seems to imply that there is such thing as this partial um, betrothal. Um, but um, let's say he says, um, let's say the husband says, you you are permitted, again, he's getting divorced. He says, you're permitted to everyone except for these two people, Ruvain and Shimon, right? I don't like those guys. But then when he gives her the get, he says, you're permitted to Ruvain and Shimon. So now the Gemara asks, is she permitted to everyone and Ruvain and Shimon? Or is she permitted only to Ruvain and Shimon? and not anybody else. Um, Daf 83 um, says, what if he just says she's permitted to um, just Ruvain or just Shimon? Um, so the Gemara ends with Teku. We do not have an answer for those questions. Um, so then when, so if you remember in the Mishnah, Rabbi Eliezer said that this exception is like a condition and therefore it's valid. So when Rabbi Eliezer died, um, there were four sages who refuted his ruling uh, and the Gemara lists each one, um, right? So, and it gives examples that let's say, right, if the wife married the brother of the man, oh, Again, he says, the husband says, you're divorced. You can marry everyone except for Ruvain. Now, right, so the so the, the Gemara says, well, wait a minute. What if, right, she's not allowed to marry Ruvain, right? But now let's see Shari's Ruvain's brother. And then he dies. And now um, she needs to do Yibum with Ruvain. So it would turn out that the original husband is forbidding her to do Yibum. And we know that you can't do that. Um, therefore, um, it's as if, right, there, there was no severance of the marriage and therefore it shouldn't be valid. Um, 
another refutation is that we we don't have a concept of being forbidden to everyone except for one person or being permitted to everyone except for one person. There's no such thing uh, and therefore it shouldn't be valid. Uh, again, as we mentioned, Cretute, the divorce, needs to completely sever the relationship and here we don't have that. And the last refutation is that let's say she went and married somebody else and then she had children and then the second husband died or she got divorced and then she went and married Ruvain, the man she wasn't allowed to marry. Um, so then if she marries that guy, retroactively the divorce becomes invalid and now her children from husband number two would be mamzerim and we don't want that to happen. So therefore it shouldn't be a valid thing that could happen. Um, Rabbi Eliezer says, um, the, the Gemara says that Rabbi Eliezer could have refuted all of these ideas. Um, and really Rabbi Eliezer would let her marry the forbidden man if she married his brother in the meantime, right? Maybe if he, she married someone in between, um, maybe then it would be okay. Um, and the Gemara goes through each one of these cases and shows how it would be valid or invalid. Um, ah, and the same thing with betrothal, right? A woman's status before her second betrothal should be like her status before the first betrothal. She should be permitted to everyone. And here we don't have that, uh, that possibility. Um, Okay, as we said, right, a man cannot make a condition on a get if it's unlimited, right? You, this is your get if you never drink wine. He cannot control what she does for the rest of her life, um, but he could say for the next 30 days you can't drink wine, and then this is your get. That is valid because it's limited. Um, let's say, right, you can't drink wine for the rest of your life, we said is invalid. But if, if he says for all the days of my life, right, the husband, so then that would be valid because he'll die and then she can have wine. Um, let's say the husband said, today we're divorced, but tomorrow we're gonna be married again, right? Does that work, right? Does divorce need to be forever um, or not necessarily? Uh, and we say, no, um, the divorce is valid, but they're not remarried the next day, right? There's no such thing as going back um, to being married after that. Um, Daf 84 tells us, let's say the husband said, this is your get if you marry so-and-so, right? That she has to marry so-and-so. Um, that does not work. Um, she cannot marry so-and-so. Um, we do not want her... Um, Right, we do not want him to be able to control what she can or cannot do, as we mentioned before. Um, or another option is that um, if, right, if she marries that man, um, that actually she could stay married to him, meaning that he does not have control over her. Or maybe she can marry another man because maybe in the future she will marry that guy. And then retroactively, she'll have been divorced, right? It's going forward and backwards. Uh, it seems like we're using time travel. Um, or maybe she can't marry anyone till she marries that person. Um, if the husband gives her a get with an impossible condition to fulfill, so then it is not valid. Um, or the governor says maybe it is valid. Um, maybe he's just trying to torture her. Uh, and that it would still be valid. Um, what happens if the condition was against Jewish law, right? Let's say he says, this is your, the, the your, we're gonna be divorced if you eat pig, right? Or transgress the Shabbat. Um, some might say it works because physically she could eat the pig and she could decide what she wants to do. Um, or we say, no, um, right? Let's say, let's say he says, this is your get, this is your get if you sleep with so-and-so. We say, no, uh, that is invalid because it is forbidden. 
Um, or again, as we said, maybe it's physically possible and therefore it would be valid. So that's the machloket in the Gemara. Um, the Gemara gives other examples of conditions um, that could be valid or not. Um, again, maybe these things are valid because she um, would do the a forbidden thing while he made the condition and therefore it works. Um, or maybe not. Let's say he made a bad condition. Um, he can take back the get and then give it to her without that condition. Um, when he gave it to her the first time, it was enough to make her forbidden to a Kohen. Remember, we said if there's some sort of like uh, even a hint that they got divorced, um, she's seen as divorced to a Kohen, right? But if it didn't do anything, uh, then he wouldn't need to take the get back. He can just say the valid statement and then they would be divorced. Um, if the husband made an oral stipulation before the main part, the Torah, the main part of the get was written, so then um, it's invalid. Um, any condition written into the get invalidates the get or maybe um it invalidates the con or maybe sorry um maybe the condition um invalidates it but maybe only if it's an invalid condition does it invalidate the get um but if it's a valid condition like we said last week here's your get if you give me 200 zoos that is a valid condition. It's not very nice, but you could do it. So then maybe it is okay. Um, Daf 85, the last Daf for today. Um, we have the Mishnah tells us, let's say he says, you're permitted to everyone except for my father or your father, right? Or basically anyone else who's forbidden to her, right? He says she's forbidden to them. Well, she was already forbidden to them. Um, so the Gemara says it's valid because the condition doesn't affect her. She was forbidden to her to sleep with her father beforehand, and now she's forbidden to sleep with her father afterwards. It doesn't matter. So it doesn't work, uh, meaning it, it doesn't matter. So the, the get does work. They're divorced. Um, let's say he says, you are permitted to everyone except for... Um, forbidden relationships, but these are uh, a lower level of prohibition. They're just a negative commandment as opposed to the other ones, which were paret. They were real, not real, but very serious forbidden relationships. Um, so those, um, those are invalid conditions, even though they are uh, forbidden. Uh, and the Gemara explains that the difference is the level of prohibition. Uh, if it's karet, which is very severe, versus just a negative prohibition. Um, let's say he says you're permitted to everyone except for this certain minor. Um, now, a minor cannot betroth a woman. Um, so maybe this is completely invalid. Um, but the minor can grow up and then he could propose to her, um, and therefore, um, maybe it is valid. Um, let's say he says, again, you're divorced, you're permitted to anyone, except for those who aren't born yet, right? You can't marry anybody who's not born at this moment. Um, is this considered a limitation? Because they're going to be born in the future. Um, so they are considered a limitation, uh, as opposed to, let's say, he says, right, what about a non-Jew? Maybe they'll convert, right? We don't know. Um, let's say he says, you're permitted to everyone except for your sister's husband. Again, he, she's already forbidden to him, but if the sister dies, so then she really could marry him. Um, and therefore, is this is considered a limitation Again, as we mentioned, anything that's seen as a limitation um, would invalidate the get because it does not completely sever the relationship. Um, and uh, right, let's say he says, 
you're divorced, you can do, you can marry whoever you want, but you can't have relations before marriage. Uh, again, this is limiting the relationship. Um, and the question is, he's not limiting her ability to get married, but he is limiting her actions. Uh, maybe that is okay. Maybe it's not okay. Um, right? He can't retain the right. Uh, or the, there's a machloket if he can retain the right to revoke her vows or to forbid her from eating truma. Um, all of these cases, it says teku, uh, and we leave it at uh, we don't know the uh, resolution of these questions. Um, the last Mishnah for today, um, the get must say you are permitted to all men, as we mentioned before. Um, Rabbi Huda says that it actually has to have other lines, right? We're completely, um, uh, we're breaking off this relationship completely. It's completely severed. Um, the essential part of a bill of emancipation, right, for a slave, has to say, you are a free woman, or you are for yourself, that's how you, um, that's how you write a bill of emancipation. Um, the Gemara says, even though we mentioned these two things together, you can't uh, write the, the reverse, right? You can't tell a woman who is married, you're free, uh, right? That's not the language for divorced, um, right? And you can't tell the slave, um, you can't tell the slave you're permitted to all men, right? That doesn't work either. You have to use the right words for the right situation. Um, if he says, I have no dealings with me, with you, um, that is uh, valid for a slave. Um, and here there's a machloket if a partial declaration is valid or not. Um, and the Gemara describes how the words should be written so that you don't under like literally how you spell each word um, so that there shouldn't be a misunderstanding for the meaning of all the words in the get. Um, and the, the Gemara ends um, by saying that you are required to add all those extra verses, all the extra lines um, for, as Rabbi Huda said, meaning not only you're permitted to all men, but I sever our ties uh, and that um, we no longer have a relationship anymore. Uh, I see we have a few minutes left. If anybody wants to ask any questions, that was a lot of information. <laughs> Um, we're always going to uh, have a lot of information at the end of a masechet. Uh, as we've mentioned before, we get to a lot of fundamentals. Uh, I think this was the way the rabbis made sure that everyone reads to the end of the book. Uh, so there's always going to be a lot of information at the end. Um, but uh, again, uh, if anybody has any questions, uh, <laughs> Just also um, next week, regular time, regular schedule. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to stop the recording now, um, but then we can continue having a discussion if you would like. Uh, wishing everyone a Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Okay.